All right, everybody, All and right. welcome to the Musical Splitting Podcast. I am your host and ghost with the least, Kava Taharian. Uh, and I am the one with the little backpack vacuum that sends those ghosts into some horrible <laughs> afterlife from which they, they will never crawl out from uh, Angelina Meehan. Uh, and today we are joined by our first guest host of the Angelina Meehan reign of terror, as what? we like to call it. What? <laughs> Today we are joined by our friend and uh, prominent YouTuber, Sarah Zed. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to help usher in this despotic reign. <laughs> <laughs> you are my Robespierre to this reign of Perfect. terror here. Wow. I'm, uh, I went to college once. I know names. Uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, friends who have good times together and start revolutions, today we are talking about a little musical called Company. Company. Oh, that's what it's about. I thought it was like a corporate thing of some sort. Oh, yeah. It's actually falling down the movie, but like they made a musical. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that but, fucking movie. Holy you shit. Know what? Talk about a movie that would make a good musical. But no, we are talking about <laughs> Stephen Sondheim's 1970 musical Company. So, Sarah, do you have any experience with the show Company? Yeah, well, actually, I watched it for the first time very recently because I had always been a fan of the music, um, but I had never actually seen the show start oh. to finish until literally just like the past few weeks. And then you mentioned it to me in uh, Vegas. And I was like, wow, I, I'm very fresh to this. I'm new to it, but I really loved it. Um, I watched the 2006 version for the first time last night, actually, because you were like, we're going to talk about the 2006 version. So I've now seen 2006 and 2011. Wow. <laughs> and I'm a big fan. Nice. And you're a fan of Sondheim, like kind of in general, oh, right? I love Sondheim. I've always been a big Sondheim person. It would be hard to say what my favorite musical is. Probably Sweeney Todd, but I mostly like all of his stuff. Yeah. Not not everything's a banger, but it always banger energy. <laughs> Yeah, like we talked about West Side Story two weeks ago or two episodes mm -hmm. ago, but like two this, episodes ago, yeah. while this isn't Sondheim's first musical as a writer and composer, it is kind of his first musical of prominence. You know, prior mm -hmm. to that, he had worked on West Side Story as a lyricist and uh, on Gypsy as a lyricist, and then he had a funny thing happen on the way to the forum and um, Anyone Can Whistle, which were both written and composed by him, but Company is kind mm -hmm. of considered... The big solo project. It's his yeah. breakout. Yeah. It's his breakout show. Um, you know, he's in his mid-30s. It's 1970. That's where this show is existing. And for me, um, I... It's his teenage dream. Yeah. <laughs> it's Sondheim's just, like, finally yeah, he going He did self-titled, and now right, he's right, ready. Exactly. <laughs> uh, for me, like, I, I have talked about, like, well, Sweeney Todd was my introduction to Sondheim, and, like, or, or like my first like uh, him as a composer as opposed to just like loving West Side Story, um, and like after that 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 magical summer where I was introduced to Sweeney Todd, I did like a, basically a Sondheim bender, and Company hit me in such a weird way that you don't think an eighteen year old would respond to Company, but like yeah, that's interesting. It's well, I like I literally heard this show and was like, where has this been? my whole life. And it's something that like mm. every time I get into phases where I want to revisit this show, it's constantly reevaluating like what did I identify with about this? Yeah. And I think I loved it to the point where in my um, sophomore, sorry, my junior year of university, I directed a student production of Company oh, with one amazing. of my friends. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when once we did get into the notes and about what the premise is, it's kind of an insane thing to think about a bunch of 20 year olds doing this show. All right. I don't know. Maybe that's a good idea. Like, yeah. The pressures of marriage might not necessarily be there, but I do think it is a very tumultuous time for relationships in general and especially yes. for loneliness. You're yes. starting out your adult life. Yeah. You are surrounded by people who are in different stages of that. You're still figuring yourself out and you are often very lonely. And so it might not be a direct one to one comparison, but it makes sense that this does resonate with a lot of young adults. Yes. And like, that was like, my, my thing was, was like, I was just a really, really lonely kid. Like at that point in my life, like I hadn't really had anybody who wanted to date me. All my friends were dating people. Like mm -hmm. I was just kind of this one person that was kind of the third wheel and always the odd person out. And without, you know, spoiling it, like that is a huge part of what company is about is mm -hmm. making sense of your life when you don't have that sec, that partner, you know, yeah. who, who, how do you exist in a world where relationships feel almost compulsory, 
you know? Yeah. And so, like, me in, in, in high school slash college, that was, like, oh, that was what was powerful about it. But also, like, hearing, like, I, I, I watched my college production of it last night because someone had taped it. And, like, uh, we only had, like, four weeks to put it on and then, like, another week with the pit. So it was, like an insane month of like, I didn't do cocaine, but man, I wish I had had cocaine in my <laughs> life at that time. Uh, Cause it's a very, it's a very dense show musically and lyrically. Like it's a very, the music is Sondheim, but um, uh, watching it just like filled me with such an immense fondness. Uh, like, I think, I think when we talk to people about why they love Sondheim and how they get into them as a teenager, I think it's just because it presents something very ambitious on top of mm-hmm. something that feels very human. And like, so even watching this college production of it with, with the cast of people that just did great stuff, it really like warmed my heart and made me go like, right, I love musical theater. Um, so, so, so Kave, if you don't like company again, uh, it's uh, another, murder, yeah, our friendship's <laughs> over. I have like such a massive wall of just photos of you. And every time you've slated something <laughs> I liked, it's, it's like, it's like that, um, always sunny, um, just like Pepe yeah, yeah, Sylvia yeah. wall. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like just of your face. I literally have no point. I don't know anything about company. Yeah, I don't even know. I, was, I, was I just barely even know the name. So I have nothing to even th- think about this going into it whatsoever. So. <laughs> so it's a musical about, um, a few people who start at a corporation in the 1940s. And this guy has no qualifications, but he has to <laughs> fake his way in. Yeah. Uh, but okay. it turns out he's actually from the same fraternity as the CEO and that kind of helps him get there. Yeah. All right. It's Mad Men, well, the musical. Let's, let's get into notes real quick then. Yeah. Uh, Company is a 1970 musical comedy with music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, a book by George Firth, and direction by Hal Prince. Yeah. The 2006 production. I know Hal Prince. Yeah. Uh, the 2006 production. You musical theater fan. Episode, <laughs> Uh, the 2006 production, which this episode will be focusing on in particular, was staged by British director John Doyle. Uh, in the words of Stephen Sondheim himself, for whom Company is often considered his true breakout work as a lyricist and composer, the basic concept of the show is as follows. A man with no emotional commitments reassesses his life on his 35th birthday by reviewing his relationships with his married acquaintances and his girlfriends. That's the entire plot. Sounds upbeat. Yeah. Uh, like most of Sondheim's shit. Yeah, it's a, it's 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 labeled as a musical comedy. Um, and depending uh, on the, the productions you see, they really comedy. they really mm-hmm. stretch the boundaries of what the word comedy means. It is a very funny show. Like the book itself is very funny, but like just goes in directions that I think are very unexpected for what it looks like on the surface level. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, beginning as a series of short plays about modern relationships. Company reached Broadway after its writer George Firth sent his works to friend Stephen Sondheim for advice. Subsequently, Sondheim sent the plays over to director and frequent musical splitting podcast figure Hal Prince. <laughs> I hope he puts that in his byline. <laughs> uh, who made the suggestion to turn the collection of short story- of stories into a stage musical. Uh, after much writing and editing, Company finally came together as a show when each vignette was rewritten to be experienced through the eyes of a new main character. Bobby, a New York bachelor approaching his middle age. Uh, when it opened on Broadway on April 26, 1970, response was wildly divided. Ooh, interesting. Mm. Its critics called it cold and detached and odd. Its champions, however, saw it as a bold innovator in its tackling of contemporary love life, its nonlinear storytelling, and as the beginning of Sondheim's ascendancy into musical theater legend status. That was a reading right there. I like that. <laughs> I feel like the detachment is kind of part of the point, though. Yes. I think that one of the themes is this theme of facade. And I think that it holds a mirror up to that in a really effective way. Yeah. Yeah. I I think there's a lot of like um, there before the grace of God go I and some of those uh, detractors Mm -hmm. from it. There's some there's some comments I've heard about it where I'm like, okay, I see that point of view. But like, I'm like, yes, no, absolutely. The the detached thing is, I think, very intentional. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wonder if this show might resonate more with people now during an age of very careful curation of people's image over social yes. media. Mm. Because that theme of facade yes. is very present in it and I feel like is very well reflected in the show. Sarah, I just got chills when you said that. Uh-oh. Man. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, the original production garnered a then record-breaking 14 Tony nominations, ultimately picking up six awards, including Best Music and Lyrics, Best Direction of a Musical, and Best Book of a Musical. 
uh, since its debut more than 50 years ago, <laughs> parentheses, fuck. <laughs> Thanks for that, Angie. <laughs> Company has received numerous Broadway and West End revivals of note, including the one we are discussing today, but also including a major West End production directed by a little film named Sam Mendes, mm-hmm. who I've heard of. He's yeah. Won a couple of Oscars. Yeah, you know. Uh, of American Beauty fame, of course. Yes. And, and uh, 1917, I yeah. guess that's his most recent one. And he's done two James Bond films. Um, he oh, did, that's right. He did he do did the Jarhead. Yeah. The role of Bobby has been played to much aplomb by actors like Raul Esparza, Neil Patrick Harris, John Barrowman. 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 Barrowman from Doctor Who. Barrowman. Yes. And currently Slash on George Broadway, yeah. <laughs> Katrina Lenk. Uh, and a much talked about transfer of the 2018 West End production where Bobby is played by a woman. Okay, so this is this is the first question I have because it seems like something that keeps getting discussed. Um, the different versions seem to be very different. Then, yes. Because you're referring to like the 2006 versus the yeah. more recent. And then there's one that's playing currently on Broadway. Is yeah. That right? Yeah. I'm actually seeing it uh, between uh, tapings of this episode. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, very hyped to see it. I've seen so many productions of Company and I love it because it is a show that like it really reveals itself or its director really well. Like you can do 8 million different things with it. Um, This 2006 production, I almost don't want to tell you what the big thing about it is because I want you to be surprised, (laughs) but the director, John Doyle, uh, uh, who, who staged this version that we are watching has done used a similar, I guess, gimmick in in other shows to 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 a lot of discussion. I'll say that like he's done Sweeney Todd in the same way. It highlights a lot of its themes and almost takes them to extremes in such a cool way. It's great. Yeah. When you watch this 2006 version, if you have the time, I highly recommend going back and listening to the original 1970 cast recording, which. I love I like I, I usually use listen to the 2006 one when when I want to listen to company. But like I went back and listened to the 1970s one and like they're just so vastly different. But like mm-hmm. they're both still incredibly moving. The orchestrations in the 1970s one are very almost like Burt Bacharachy kind of like 70s soft pop kind of sounding. And then what the 2006 one sounds like is completely different. Is this one kind of seen as like sort of a definitive as far as for this generation's concerned? I, I would say so. Yeah, I would say this was the one that got a lot of like millennials into company for sure. Um, it's one. It, it had a pro shot made uh, too. It was just. It is. It, it, it's. It's fantastic. Like um, to me, it's the most complete version of this show, in my opinion. As, as someone who's seen a lot of stagings of this, I to me this is the version that realizes its dramatic potential. Uh, real quick too. So as far as lineage is concerned, what do we not get if we don't have company? Oh, I think you wouldn't really get a lot of just contemporary storytelling in musical theater because while company isn't the first show to have been set at like the time it was being composed. I mean, we watched West Side Story, but West Side Story is very big and operatic and it it feels dreamy. You know, West Side Story doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like real life, even though it is contemporary, whereas company Mm -hmm. is just about as like striving to be as close to what being a middle-class New Yorker in 1970 feels like. And I don't think you would have one. It's also nonlinear. It's entirely nonlinear. And this isn't a spoiler, Mm -hmm. but like all the scenes don't take. It's like a Tarantino musical. (laughs) I have vignettes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Little like loosely grouped together vignettes that um, are just kind of held together by like Either this one, I, I, I want to save it for like a after. central framing device. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll save okay. I'll save discussion for that for part two once you've seen it, so we can talk about it. But like, um, okay. Uh, yes, I don't. I think it opened up what musical theater in terms of storytelling could be, not just talking about contemporary issues, but also in terms of like you don't have to do it in this very hyper literal narrative. Um, to make a to make a cohesive musical without you know like sometimes I talked about how he hated this show being called a concept show because it's a very loose word like what is a concept show, but um, yeah. the concept shows had existed before this, but it does in a way feel like a throwback to vaudeville while still having a very complete narrative and a very focused. Yeah. Um, like thesis, like I'm just like thinking like Jason Robert Brown's all of like your modern millennial composers, I think, and and Gen Z mm-hmm. composers. They don't think you would have them in the same way that you would have not have them if that company not existed. I guess is what I'm saying. Besides, not only starting like Sondheim's career as just kind of like this major force of work, sure. and just like what his body of work has meant to theater. I don't think uh, you'd have contemporary musical theater. Um, in the same way where it's meant to sound like actual popular music and to talk about these like, yeah, contemporary issues. What you said about the show kind of being 
contemporary and grounded in real issues is very interesting because I think one of the things about the very abstract nature of the show is I think those two things play into each other because you can't really have a musical that is purely down to earth because that's just right. not what the medium is. Right. And so I think the yeah. more grounded you get in real issues and real themes, the more abstract you have to get in other ways. And so we yes. see that with company, but we also see that with things like the last five years where the more grounded it gets in one sense, the more abstract it gets in another. And that's that's yeah. such an interesting balance. And I think that's that to balance it. company yeah. kind of pioneered that in a really cool way yeah yeah i'm just thinking of like like i love you you're perfect now change all of these mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. yeah like uh, uh, like anything that was done by william finn especially like um um oh my gosh a new brain and falsettos like i don't i don't think you would have these things without not just sondheim but without company and specifically yeah yeah so it's it's, okay. it's a big show okay yeah, it's a no big pressure one. yeah it's a long one too or it's like a oh, it's an average length typical yeah. length yeah average it's a typical length, length. Okay. show yeah uh, anything else? I think we should probably keep this sec- section short so we can go watch it. So I'm sure we're going to have a lot to discuss. Yes. Uh, um, I just really hope you enjoy this. Like as I do with pretty much everything Me we too. watch. I really, I really hope this, this says something about why I'm so attracted to the art form and not just because I'm an attention starved pervert. Um, Listen, <laughs> I just hope it's better than rock of ages. Does Let's it hope have, it's all everybody acting as hard as Tom Cruise yeah, did. Yeah, there's there's no happy. there's no Tom Cruise screaming a song into a woman's asshole. Unfortunately, I mean that would be an improvement. They should have put that it's in. It's gonna be tough. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna make it through, but yes, I'll try. Sondheim saw Rock of Ages and was like, God damn it! Why didn't I have someone screaming into someone it. else's yeah. asshole? Yeah, well, it's like they say in Spam a lot. You won't succeed on Broadway if you haven't got Tom Cruise singing into someone's asshole. Exactly. That's mm. exactly. <laughs> Wise words. Wise All words right, indeed. <laughs> Let's go watch this and Angie go see the live show again. Woo! Uh, and then we'll come back and discuss. All right. All right. Adios. This episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream, a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles, such as... Three Days of Glory, which takes you behind the scenes for one of the most legendary celebrations in the world of wine, during a year when the humble winemaker farmers of Burgundy faced the most difficult season on record. Perfect for all of you wine moms and dads, which I'm assuming is also a thing, to pair with this week's episode. You can also get access to our streaming video service Nebula when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by creators and for creators. Not breakers, shakers, fakers, takers, or even forsakers. So you've got Nebula. Why curiosity stream? How do you not know this by now? (laughs) Okay, unless maybe you're a new listener, in which case, how have you just started listening to this podcast now? Nebula is a place for smaller indie education type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula, you can see original content, okay, video essays, films, tone poems from creators like Cat Black, Sarah Zed, and of course, our very own Lindsay Ellis. Right now, you can get Curiosity Stream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $15 for the full year by visiting curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. Once you use the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula, giving you access to all the glory that is Curiosity Stream and Nebula. So go forth, my critiques. And okay. we're Bobby. 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 Company was Company. that was that a good slide into it? Because like I, I love was, you slid into the DMs of the second half of this podcast. <laughs> no, it's a good energy to take in. I, I didn't know yeah. if I should start with that or um, phone rings, door chimes, and comes Sarah Z. Like, like, oh, 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 yeah, like, that's good. It's good. Yeah, that's, good too. Like, that's very good. Just absolutely stewing um, over that one between recording part one and part two. <laughs> so we're back. Yeah, you've been waiting yeah. for your moment, but we're back. Truly. Uh, we've watched, I watched, we all watched the 2006 version. Yes. Um, Angie also went to go see the current Broadway incarnation. Yes. I did. It was, I have like, it's like so hard because like, we're going to talk about the 2006 version, but this one, yeah. it, it definitely confirmed a lot of opinions that I just have about company that I'll get into a little bit later. Um, yeah. I did enjoy it. It was easily like one of the funniest productions of company I've seen, but there were just okay. some things that like 
did not work for me. It's so up to how it's directed, right? And so, yeah, yeah. Because, like, if you go see, I don't know, fucking Wicked, it's going to be the same everywhere, but Company right. is such like a Rorschach test of a show. Um, okay, so Company uh, is the story of Bobby, Bibi, Bobby, 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 Bobby. Yeah, Robert, Robert, Baby, Bobby, Robert, Baby. Ba- is Baby his last name? Yeah, that's actually connected yeah. to his last <laughs> name. It's spelled differently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's- <laughs> He's a well-liked New Yorker. It's his 35th birthday. His life is great. He's he's got he's well off. He's got a nice tie. <laughs> he's got a suit. Yeah, he's got a beautiful Armani suit and it's his 35th birthday. What what angst could this man possibly be carrying around? Well, top of the world. He's the yeah. dangler yeah. friend cuz he's got all these married couples in his life, but he's just some guy. Yeah. Can't make the same connections as his friends who are very yeah. happy and living great. Very Clearly, satisfying married lives. <laughs> Absolutely right. loving life. Yeah. Yeah. Not not, <laughs> not a, feeling not like trouble. they're in a prison at all. Yeah. So like we had mentioned, this is a bunch of very loosely connected vignettes, too. So mm-hmm. I guess summarizing is like first it's this, it's this, like the show goes back and forth to this like 35th birthday scenario mm-hmm. that like you're mm-hmm. not sure wh- how real it is or how much of it is of a composite of his memory. But let's just like that's kind of like the yeah. frame it of opens device. And closes with yeah. It, yeah. 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 But the the big sort of thing is like he goes and he's supposed to blow out the candles and make a wish. And when it yeah. starts, he doesn't really have a wish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that yeah, sort yeah. of sets everything into motion. And then, then everyone's like, why aren't you married? Right. You should get married. <laughs> yeah. Hey, have <laughs> you thought about yeah. <laughs> Elaine, move to the country and have a baby. You right. gotta have a baby. Right. So like his the first the first couple that he visits are like. They're like this highly I like they clearly love each other, but they have like they love getting on each other's like cases yeah. for like their one up each like, other. Well, yeah, like, like they love to one up each other all the time. Yeah, like just getting in each other's business because like the husband Harry is a drinker and Sarah is just like neurotic about her weight and like also one upping her husband who's constantly like dogging on her. So like he's watching them like just constantly do this and still saying like I love you to each other and being absolutely bewildered by it. And yeah, like this is such a hard show to summarize because I'm like and then Joanne, one of his older friends comes in and starts singing about like how fun it is to be married doing all this fucked up shit together, you know? <laughs> and like, it's that's- basically like, it's, I guess the simplest way to think about it is kind of like, it's not exactly like a fantasy, but think of it sort of like as a Christmas carol of like, he go, he's like a ghost <laughs> going through all these like yeah. different yeah. scenarios that teach him like different ways that his marriage could turn out if he decides to get married. Right. So it's like, right. There's like the couple who bickers a lot. There's the couple that are like kind of squares. There's yeah. the lady. There's the couple who was like the lady's been divorced like 85 times. Yeah. There's the couple who's about to get it's, married. Yeah. So it's, right. it's sort of meant to be like a progression of like all these different options that he's thinking that like his life would go. And so yeah. as he sort of navigates these uh, vignettes, he's sort of taking one thing away from each kind of marriage. It's like the multifacets of marriage. It's like a 12 sided sure. diet. Like it could be all these things. It's, mm-hmm. it's all these things and none of these things at the same time. Yeah. It's the marriage multiverse basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the so marriage comes back to that. It's the marriage <laughs> company into the marriage verse. <laughs> I heard uh, I mean, Rich is going to be in the post credit scene. Oh my God. Yeah. They're going to oh. do a deep fake of Elaine. Oh Stritch. no. It's they're going to do. Yeah. They're gonna, <laughs> it's going to be like the Mandalorian. Again. Oh my I hate God. It. <laughs> Luke Skywalker's face. Yeah, and against all this too is like you see like three different women he is dating or has dated, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. during this period of time, and why he can't seem to connect to any of them. Like, there's different. Like, there's like the one girl who is like the one who kind of got away. There's yeah. like the girl who makes him feel older and squarer than he ever thought he'd feel. And then there's just yeah. someone he you know kind of casually dates and just kind of treats like shit. You know, not not at like. He's not like a massive asshole, but it's just like this kind of disinterested. But he's a he's I a just person. Want to fuck. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I'm not saying like this is not my work canceling Bobby for being problematic in 2022, <laughs> but like just that kind of person that you just kind of date just because you feel like you got to yeah. date him, you know? Like mm-hmm. that's that's so yeah, yeah. And that's, she's a flight attendant too, which makes right. it convenient. So she's always like out of yeah. town and then comes right, in and right, it's like exactly. A very committal, non-committal thing. Right. Yeah. Um. So they sort of navigate these different relationships. Really, it's like without you know explaining the entire <laughs> musical from beginning to end <laughs> right. it call it, it sort of it leads to this uh the climax is basically the uh, uh what's her name the the Joanne. one that um elaine Strange, joanne yeah, yeah, yeah who's been divorced many times sort of takes him aside and she's like let's have an affair yeah uh we should you know bang and i'll take care of you and then he's like oh but who will i take care of yeah. and then it's like bum, bum, bum. yeah 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 exactly and he has a realization i want yes. real human she, connection 
Yeah. yeah. And then it sort of ends with him singing a song and he's like, oh, actually, maybe it's not bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. And then she's like, oh, I just did someone a favor. And yeah. That's basically where it ends. Yeah. Yeah. It ends with him finally blowing out the candles on his mm-hmm. cake. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes. After, Which is a good. I like that friends. as a framing device. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. After after ditching his friends, like and not showing up to the surprise party, he goes in and yeah. blows out the candles by himself and then by himself. It's very good. Will hunting. He's like, I went to yes. go see a bad girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> And that is company. And of course, company is a reference to like you want. I thought it was going to be about like working at a company or something. You would think, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) But it's about like having company over or, oh, I should just get married so I can have company. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's that line. I feel like he sort of is the company to his friends, right? Right, right. Yeah. He's just oh, a guy. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Pleasant and non threatening to be around, but he's that's what he is to them. He's just company. Yeah, there's like the the great opening, the second act opener, side by side by side, is basically his friend singing about how Bobby fits into their life. And it is like this really like pleasant but detached mm-hmm. way. Like there's a line that I always think of. It goes like, who is a flirt but never a threat? Reminds us of our birthdays, which we always forget. And you're like, wow, gee, thanks. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's not necessarily an insulting thing, but it's one of those things where where you are that third wheel all the time. Mm-hmm. Like. All yeah. these nice things start to become like overwhelming and just kind of like, mm-hmm. but what does that actually say about me as a person? You know, yeah, like, it's just I, really I, what you do for other people, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, contrasting that to the song in the first act, the little things you do together. Like, yeah. That you, oh, yeah, that's a like, really good point. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, when you get to side by side by side, he's just that third person, not necessarily doing things with them as like an engaged person in a for relationship, them. Right. but for them. Yeah. 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 Oh, company's so good. Sorry. <laughs> like I, I love this show so much. Um, but yeah, um, real, real quick. So tell us briefly, I, I was reading about this a little bit, but yeah. apparently it's, it's like gender swapped for the, yes. for the lead role in the Broadway version now. Yeah. So the, so the lead, the lead role is switched to Bobby with an I E instead I. of a Y. Yeah. Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it, there's some minor adjustments made to George Firth's book and some of the lyrics were slightly changed, but for the most part, it's pretty much the show. Um, fully intact and sometimes it'll be the case where the couple's dynamics are the same they don't necessarily make Jenny a guy and call him John or something but rather Jenny mm-hmm. will be the one that wants to smoke pot and isn't the square you know and it's the sure, husband right, right. David okay. who's the one that's obsessed with the kid like they'll that's switch the lines yeah, around yeah. basically Okay. Um, and then some cases it's just a completely gender flipped or they make um, Amy the bride who sings not getting married today a gay couple um, and, and like sometimes it works really well and then sometimes it just kind of like or it doesn't see the full potential of that if they're going to switch the gender like they mm-hmm. need to like kind of dig into something a little bit more like yeah um yeah like ladies to lunch that is like one of my favorite favorite show tunes in all of history i love getting drunk mm-hmm. and going to a piano bar and like screaming that one um, oh yeah no but like so that that whole scene in 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 this 2006 production you know it built it mm-hmm. ultimately builds to joanne making a pass at bobby after they get very very drunk and so when i saw this version that had patty a lot LeBeau, of drinking throughout this entire a lot of show drinking, yeah it's, it's just every scene they're drinking out of an empty yeah, cup yeah and this other like production obviously. too also just put a huge emphasis on drinking and it was just like uh so like so um patty lapone is paying patty lapone rather is playing joanne in in this production and she's so much fun to watch but um um, as as that scene progresses and it gets to Lady Sue Lunch, you're gonna be like, oh, Joanne's obsessed with you know Bobby with an eye because mm-hmm. like she's a repressed sapphic, and Lady Sue Lunch is this highly resentful number about all these women who just keep on keep on going, and so like you're like, oh shit, it's gonna build to like when she hits on Bobby, like it being taking on this totally new meaning, and then they change it entirely and have her ask Bobby to go sleep with her husband, and it's just like I. <laughs> I don't okay. know. It's like, like a shame because if you're going to yeah. change the genders around, then the gender dynamics are going to change and the way these characters right. conceive of their own sexuality is going to change. And why not right. play with that? You know? Right. Sure, exactly. Yeah. Like that's so much more interesting to me than having, you know, Joanne say, go sleep with my husband, which feels like. Yeah. Especially yeah. because there already them. is like a potential gay affair, like in the like original version anyway. Right. Like that, you exactly. Guys- feel about like a queer reading of Bobby in general, like Bobby's sexuality. Cause I know that is very yeah. much an ambiguous matter. Yeah. And obviously Sondheim yeah. had spent a lot of time being like, no, yeah, no. And yeah. then that, <laughs> that, that, that was actually going to be the same yeah. question I was going to ask you guys, but I was going to ask Angie, cause I know, you know, like everything about Sondheim in general. <laughs> right. But it's like, 
I, I just for context, I was curious. Like, did Sondheim in his own life like ever get married? Was that thing? Something he he, he wanted? did have a partner like, at the end, but he I, he had said when he had written this that like actually he didn't really know how to write about marriage because one he had never been in love. Like in his own words, he like yeah. he had said once I had, had never fallen in love until he met his partner. I can't remember his name. I feel like it's just like escaping did they me meet at the much moment. later after they this met much later like, in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is way way later in life. Um. But like Sondheim is Bill Nargard saying, like, I had never really been in love. And when he was writing Company, he actually talked a lot to Mary Rogers, who uh, is also a uh, a Broadway person. Um, Mm -hmm. And like a lot of insights about it came from her. But like, yes. So essentially, yes. And then like, as as you had said, Sarah, for the longest time, both George Firth's estate, George Firth being the guy who wrote the book for Company um, and Sondheim were uh, explicitly against... um, explicitly gay readings of company, which is very, I, you know, it's something I think about a lot because George Firth and Sondheim were both gay men. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. well, why, like, why this? I mean, obviously Sondheim came around with it before this uh, gender swap production of company. He had been working mm-hmm. on one where Bobby was explicitly gay. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with, I look at company as it is written and seeing them try to update the book for this new production I saw, like, it did work and mm-hmm. it didn't work because Company is, it being a contemporary comedy, it's going to be a product of the 1970s and the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so much of it to me is about, like, marriage being overwhelming because um, that level of heteronormativity is very overwhelming, especially if you are gay or questioning yourself, you know? And, like, that mm-hmm. feels like it is a part of the show to me. So, like, I, I think, like, the that... The, Productions of company, if they're not going to be explicit with it now, um, should just leave room for that interpretation over. Mm. Because to me, like that feels Has like there never been that, like one that explicitly does that. Um, I mean, like, actually, I don't know right now if like with if with MTI, they've like eased up on. Yes, you can do this with company, you know, um, mm-hmm. but like Sondheim was working on one that was going to be a bigger produced version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, According to my memory. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, no, not not on Broadway. There hasn't been one where Bobby is. I, I do think that's gay. really interesting, though. It does completely change sort of what it is, but yeah. not in a bad way. Yeah. I think it's like I think it's very I think it's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. And and the, the thing about this one, not only with the, the new production that I saw with Joanne, you know, changing it to ask her to sleep with her husband, is it also um, completely removes. There's one scene in the George Firth book where his friend Peter hits on them after they get divorced. And that's cut entirely. It's not cut. It just never becomes a question. Like the 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 Peter character in that is a woman, but she's not gay. She's just happy not to be married, you know. So mm-hmm. like it cut that entirely. I was like, how did you make a version that has a gay couple in company less yeah, gay really than <laughs> than company than it was in the 1970s? So that that that's like my biggest beef with this this new production. I think it just kind of yeah. Lo- and you know, Sondheim worked on it too. Like he actively like contributed to lyric changes and changes to the book, but it still is just like. Yeah, the is Bobby like gay question, I think always has to kind of be included into the text for it yeah. to work or at least not yeah. written out in the way that it was kind of written out in yeah. in this new version. So, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, not using that question to, to oversimplify the sort of sure. answer to the question of why does Bobby have such a hard time? Right. Yeah, really connecting yeah, yeah. with these people, because yeah. I think that Bobby being queer could absolutely be an element of it. But I think. Some of and maybe this is part of why Sondheim was initially resistant to it, that that Mm -hmm. the nuances of Bobby's character being flattened entirely to, oh, he's queer. Oh, he's gay. Right. Yes. yes. I mean, I I think think that could absolutely be part of it. But there's a lot to Bobby and his own troubles in his own friend group and his own relationships with other people that are definitely factors as well. And it's hard because, like, he's also a character that was reverse engineered for George Firth's play. So, you know, in order to keep it, like, cohesive, you kind of have to make this character come off. Okay. I'm like getting into like a more top, like complicated topic in my head. Like you have to make this character like pretty flat on paper for the show to work. Um, And so like, for me, there's like two productions of company. You have a very funny Mm -hmm. ensemble comedy where you also kind of go. So, okay. What was the point? You know, like, yeah, like it'll be really funny. And then numbers like being alive or marry me a little, just kind of don't have the same impact. Cause you're like, I don't know. This feels like a, like a downer or you have something like the 2006 one or it does a very good job of putting you in Bobby's head and making him more of like an active. It's not not, not like an active protagonist, but the way that it's staged as such is that it really mm-hmm. leans into like this is actually Bobby's head, like mm-hmm. the way scenes bleed into one another. Even just the concept of having the uh, so we did so yeah we didn't want to spoil it for you, but like the in this production the actors are also the orchestra, 
Um, and, and, you right, know, right, right, okay. having, having and Bobby. that's not normally how it's done. No, 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 that's not normally okay. how it's done at all. That is a Because I was like, Jesus Christ, that's a tough job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like, you just happen to find somebody who's a perfect lead who can sing, who can also play fucking saxophone or. Yeah, right. Exactly. Or whatever the fuck. I love the, the I, choice of, of which person kind of, and obviously this is just based on casting, but sort of who gets which instrument sure. is, is on its own an entire question of what does this say about each character, which I think is right. such a cool dimension yeah. to introduce to this. Right. Yeah. I love like uh, like so John Doyle, the, the director who, who did this production a few years earlier, had done the same concept with Sweeney Todd. And I saw both oh, of these productions live. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And it was a nine person cast doing Sweeney Todd and also playing all of the mm-hmm. music with it. And it was like the most metal. I was upset. I saw it like five times when metal. I was a broke college student. <laughs> um, and I, I saw this, I think, twice live with this exact cast and like. The idea of just like there's a line in the George Firth book that's like marriage is no more the people than, you know, musicians are music or something to that effect. And, you know, they must have been in the room like, oh, oh, (laughs) that hits so well at that. (laughs) But I do. But to that extent, I do think like this this visual kind of and and sonic kind of um, element to it where you see everyone playing together. And um, having sometimes even comedic juxtapositions of what they play, like Larry plays the clarinet and Joanne can only play her drinking glass, you know, yeah. <laughs> like that sort of thing is incredibly funny. And so when you do have that moment where Bobby finally does play something besides the kazoo, you're just like, this really was about Bobby finding, kazoo. you know, his his space in the universe, you know, like that 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 journey for him feels so much more active. Whereas it can feel really, really passive in some stagings of company. At least to mm-hmm. me. That's why I love this one so much. Yeah, does he not play the piano until the way end in that? I'm yeah. Sorry, I, didn't, yeah. I don't think I even caught on to that actually until right now. Yeah, yeah. He Is just, that the he, first time he actually plays anything? Yep. He, he has the kazoo at the, 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 the opening of the second act where, you know, all the actors are singing Isn't It Warm side by side. And then they play a solo. Yeah, right. And okay. then their partner plays a solo back to them. And then when it's Bobby's yeah, yeah, turn, yeah. he just has a kazoo and nobody plays with him. <laughs> Music as yeah. experience making and self-determination. We love to see it. Yeah, Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Exactly. So here's my overall critique, and it's like a really annoying, tiny, minor thing that is is really like, it's probably not a big deal, but I'm just curious as to what you guys think. But I thought that this is more about, the story is about monogamy Mm -hmm. more than it is about marriage. And I think like the way that his character is written and being somebody who's, sort of dating three people at the same time mm-hmm. and the leap that you make from sort of, you know, banging a bunch of people at the same time yeah. to being married is a large one. Sure. Sure. And really, I feel like the argument that they're making, and maybe this is just like a very contemporary way of looking at it now sure. because so many of us just like don't get married till much later and we're right. like, whatever, who gives a shit? You could just be with somebody for 50 years and it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. I definitely think part of it is just being a product of, of its time where, you know, people were still like, yeah, you get married. That's, that's what you do. Like, you know, it's it, it's galling, not galling, just shocking. As we were talking about Beavis and Butthead when Sarah joined us in the room and how like the passage of <laughs> Very time. Very important discussions. It's, it's just yeah. insane to me that this show is, is 50 years old just by the fact that I already felt old when I first got into it 20 years ago, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like, uh, like yeah, like I, I do have to step back when, whenever I do evaluate company and go like, it, it is absolutely a product of its time. Like, I and it's also yes. commentary on a very specific type of social class and social group sure. of people, oh, right? Yeah, for for sure. whom, yeah. I would argue even still, marriage and monogamy are fundamentally intertwined concepts. I'd agree with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I thought it was like, because like I said, it's a, it's those it's a step in between it. Like you can say that sure. like monogamy is a step towards marriage, but like really, I thought it would have been, and maybe this is just my own projection onto here, but it's like sure. if you had been with somebody and you've been dating them for like mm-hmm. five, six years and they're like, why don't you just fucking get married? Like, yeah. is that a thing you want? I thought it would have sort of thematically made more sense to mm. what all these people are sort of trying to get him to do. Sure. But I felt like if he's just banging a bunch of people, it's like really what they're trying to get him to do is like just try to like do it for, with one person for a period sure. of time and see if you like that. I, I think I think the it's one of those things with the book where I'm like, I wonder if this was maybe a misspeak or just a difference, an idea of what dating is, like casual dating in 1970 mm-hmm. versus what casual dating means now. But like when you see Kathy, Kathy is like the one girlfriend who he has that scene about. And, and it's funny because like this last production of Company I saw played it for laughs 100% and like the 2006 one plays it so straight that it becomes mm-hmm. like heartbreaking when she's like, yeah, I'm getting married. That's what people do now. And, you know, and they both in that conversation discover that they did want to be married to each other at mm-hmm. one point. But like weren't y- you can fill in the blanks with a lot of that scene about what the context of their relationship had been. But you, in this version, you get the vibe like, yeah, they liked each other. And then 
that actual scene happens after they stop dating, but like that they had wanted to. And for whatever reason, yeah. they weren't ready to be married or Kathy didn't want to commit. Or she still wanted to do her New York thing going on in her head. Like, so when that scene happens, it is just like uh, another reason why I think I like this production so much is it makes the, the, the dating feel like, okay, I understand what's going on here a little bit better with Bobby as opposed to like, he's just dating three women at the same time, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. In terms of the the question of sort of dating people multiple times versus, you know, the monogamy and marriage of it, I think there's also the matter of the intentionality of it, right? Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, Bobby isn't dating all of these women at once because that is necessarily what he wants to be doing with how he sure. approaches romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. So I would, yeah, right. I would distinguish that from, for example, in our modern context, somebody who might want yeah. to date multiple people with a yeah. purposeful sense of intention about it. Because I don't think sure. that that's what sure. Bobby is doing as well. So I think that's still... Even with our own, searching. yeah, with our own conception of it, still indicates something about yeah. how he connects to people. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I one hundred percent that is like the way I would articulate it. At least like that's my read of, of Bobby. Like I never got that he was just like trying to be like, um, oh, what's the guy, uh, the guy that got on all that shit on TikTok for like dating West Elm Weston Weston Bobby Weston Bobby. Oh no, modern take where Bobby oh, gets TikTok canceled. Oh my God, Bobby! Yeah, every, girls are just going on TikTok to cancel Bobby. Like, I went oh. on a date with Bobby. And- oh my God! Well, it's so funny because this two th- this new production of the company also incorporates phones a lot more, oh. or has them as active props, and it like works sometimes really well, and sometimes mm. you're just kind of like, just yeah, I don't constantly know. Texting throughout the whole show. Yeah, basically. constantly texting and taking selfies, but like. Yeah, West Elm Caleb did actually come up in my work. mind while I was like watching this too. I was just like, "This is oh my yeah." Like, I, 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 I don't really know where selfies thing could really work because obviously this is not a new critique, but this whole idea of like curating your image, sure. yes, I, I, yeah. that does fit into the play. But it also, I feel like, would need to be incorporated in a very intentional way. Otherwise, yeah. it's just I hate when modern adaptations of things just tell the same story and then go, "But phone, phones, yeah, yeah, exactly." <laughs> really, sometimes you think. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes it does work really well in the sense that you're like, oh, all your friends who are married, they're always posting, sell- or your friends who like are dating and just posting pictures of themselves with their significant other oh, being like, love they him. Are. And you never get to see that. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. they're actually probably, like, there's a lot about company, as much as I loved it when I was 18, that I didn't understand as an 18 year old and like why mm-hmm. Bobby would feel the way that he does. One being like, yeah, your friends, especially as they get older. I think the biggest thing was like, I always assumed like, I have all my friends and I always hang out together and I know all of my friends friends really well because we're all friends, you know, and then like Mm. the idea of like, no, when you do get older, your friends are really in separate silos. Like, yeah, yeah. and like because like that was the thing that was very hard for me to like conceptualize when you're like 17, Mm. 18 years old. It's just like, no, people see very different sides of you, not even necessarily different sides, but like. You'll ha- you have different relationships with different friends that are never sure. going to you overlap interact with, with them differently. You meet yeah. them in different contexts. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and like so, like you'd see some someone like Joanne and be like, "Why is Bobby friends with Joanne?" I'm like, "Well, I have older work friends who like yeah. want to get together and drink with me and like you know talk shit about the world and cutting you know, wit." Yeah, she's very yeah, funny. exactly. Um, and so like even that that idea that people curate their relationships, which yeah, this predates social media and, and they curate what people see, like is really relevant to company. And so like in those cases, yes, that, that does work. But sometimes it is just like, uh-huh, they're constantly taking selfies and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we get it. Like, like <laughs> do something with the theme of facade. Cause I think there is a lot of that in the show. And that is something that a lot of people now can very much relate to. Sure. Yeah. Not- yeah. Being aware of maybe the less pleasant underside of people's public images, but yeah. not always interacting with it in that way. But you have right. to actually do something with that. I really, I, I do recommend seeing it if you ever get the chance to. But also, like, it was just, it's like, there's the Neil Patrick Harris one, which makes it very much like a 70s kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it's like, on the one hand, when you lean into it being a period piece, it just kind of becomes like, well, so what, too? Like, this is, it just feels like yeah. a weird Neil Simon type thing. It was designed to be commentary on the era in which it was written, of course. But if I feel like if you want something to be timeless, yeah, it might be better to try to bring in what people can take from the contemporary themes of it. I mean, sure. we were we were talking about this the other day with uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. I think sure. Lindsay said something about like mm. the shows where it tries to be a seventies period piece are cringe, yeah. and I think yeah. that's very apt with this show as well. So this, here's something I've noticed now, right? This is, I think, the third Sondheim joint that we've watched on the podcast. Yes, yeah, yeah. We've done Sweeney this Todd, Into the Woods. It's, uh, Into Sweeney the Woods Todd. and Sweeney, and the, this one, obviously. Yeah. So I, here's the theme I noticed. Sondheim does this thing where he's like, 
forget the music, which I don't care for in terms mm. of everybody singing over each other as we've established already. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's like, it's like two and a half hours of like, here's this thing that's bad. But then by the end of it, it's like, or is it? And then like that sort of like that is that like his thing? Well, you see that with parenting, for instance, and in Into the Woods. So I feel like yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Into the Woods is the last one we watched where I was like, yeah. it's yeah. basically just like the whole last point of it is like, maybe it's not bad. Yeah. Maybe there's actually a point. Well, it's really funny because like this, this show had like three other endings before we got to the ending that we have, which is being alive. It was originally going to end with Bobby proposing to Amy. Uh, the woman who sings Not Getting Married Today. Right, and, right. Okay. And her the one who does the Scatman yeah, song in the middle yeah. of it. That song is my party trick. Um, but uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, So that was the original ending, and it ended with a song called Multitudes of Amy's that I love. People sing that at, at cabarets and such, and it gets me excited every time. But also, like for obvious reasons, it didn't work. <laughs> you know, there's a... Mm. Like Bobby asking Amy to marry him and her accepting is just, like I think, too much of a weird... People don't. Act it just like feels this a little kind of cheesy thing. because yeah. deciding that you really do want to make those human connections and want to be loved isn't always going to be synonymous with finding that person immediately. And right. I think that journey is part of the point. And skipping over that right. misses part of the point. Right. At least and then, yeah. so so the second ending after that was the song "Marry Me a Little," which is now the ending of the first act. Just a little bit. Just mm-hmm. a little bit. And it, again, like the thing was, well, it doesn't feel like a fully formed thought. Like mm-hmm. it feels like a very immature thing to end a show on just from an emotional point of view it makes sense as a first act thing then it ended with a song called happily ever after which you can listen on youtube and it's very interesting to me because it has a lot of the same i guess lyrical conventions of being alive like it starts with a someone to blank someone to blank someone to blank but it is totally negative it is like marriage sucks fuck this <laughs> and that's the ending of the song and i they did it in boston when the show was in tryouts and i believe it was how prince's direction that this was too much of a downer now what happened Mm -hmm. after that scene is like bobby sings this and then he goes to a park and all of the cast members are playing entirely different people and it's like see but the world is still so big and open i guess from that they got being alive which is just i think a more um a less like i think like the original having bobby see all these different people with the same thing is just a little too cheesy for me Mm -hmm. like being alive to me it feels very honest being alive yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, to me, it is very, I know that is like Sondheim's thing. Like, wow, there really are dual sides to complicated life issues. Yeah. Like, that is like a lot of the meat and but I mean, I think that's why people like Sondheim is like mm-hmm. that he does these like very. I mean, what I would say, too, when I was watching this, I was like, I feel like Sondheim is a person that suffers from a lot of rumination. Oh, where he just like obsessively <laughs> thinks circularly. Oh, and yeah. like He just yeah. gets caught in these pat like. As yeah. my therapist would say, yeah, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're suffering from ruining thoughts. You need to stop and try and like figure out a way to break free of that. But yeah. it seems like he would write these giant musicals as a way of sort of coping with it. It's to sort of like arrive at a conclusion finally and then just say like, OK, fine, fine, it's done. And then maybe not obsess over it anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like you read like his his compendium of like annotated lyrics is really fascinating to read because like. This man is so deep in his own head. Like the things that he, yeah. you'll be like, you'll see a rhyme that your whole life you've been like, man, I wish I could write lyrics like this. I wish I could say something, you know, that hits mm-hmm. such an emotional depth so simply and succinctly. And then his annotations will be like, this is pure melodrama or I hate this or this does not read well. Or like, you're just like, <laughs> like oh, what are like you this? talking about? Yes, Can't be yeah. happy. <laughs> and, and a lot of people love to do the whole like, um, you know, disregard death of the author and look at Sondheim shows versus his personal life. And it is very tempting to do because, yeah, there's there's a lot of easy ins. Like Company is about a man in his mid 30s who's not married. That was Sondheim at the time. I can't wait to show you Sunday in the Park with George, which was like basically at the, written after he thought he was going to stop writing musicals because he had a huge, massive failure and merrily we roll along. And then it was like, I'm going to go right. What computer. are you saying about me? Angie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I can't wait to show you Sunday in the park with George. Holy shit. But yeah, like there, there is a lot of, um, you know, where Sandra Lloyd Webber, it's fun to joke about like, Oh, Phantom of the Opera is about him and Sarah Brightman. Like, I think that's the most you can really read into Andrew Lloyd Webber's life in any of his works what in particular. What does the musical say about Andrew Lloyd Webber as a person? I know, I know. Right? <laughs> um, and a more than sky-high IQ. Right, but like with Sondheim's works do very easily lend themselves into like wanting to be like, well, what was going on in his head at the time? They, they're very feels, diary, They're like diaries, yeah. Almost, yeah, they yeah. feel very deeply personal. Even like his weirder shows like, 
um, Pacific Overtures, which is about Japan opening up to the United States in the 1800s. Um, oh, he wrote a, a show about that. Yes, he did. That was what he like. Oh. He, he wrote it for the fucking bicentennial of the United States. And, you know, they used an all East Asian male cast to do it. And it was just like it for Beginning 1976. Dynasty. That's yeah, cool. it's, like it's, that. yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It's such a neat, neat show. Same with like Assassins, which is about, um, you know, all the people. That one who, sounded cool. It's so cool. It's about all the people who have successfully or unsuccessfully or tried, tried to, to kill, kill a president. Kill a president. Yeah. And it's. Like that's a show that is only aged that's more my wheelhouse. Like I that's wish the we weird could shit find that I like. Good pro show. There's no pro yeah. shot of of that show, and it's one of my favorites. Um, but like, yeah, a lot of people like to read into Sondheim's works and go, "Oh, well, what does this say about him at this time?" Mm-hmm. Well, I also feel like he's kind of insane, and I kind of like like that's what I liked about Sweeney Todd is sure. that he just like fully went insane, and mm-hmm. I feel like he's good about that. Yeah, and I and like this is like the most. Again, I've only seen two other ones other than this, but this one's so much more like. It feels more like him trying to write a Woody Allen musical or something. Oh, like sure, sure. Like, it's like a contemporary thing about like, you know, upper middle class people in New York. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't as I, I don't know. I think I'm just sort of ADD and like I need that sort of weird uh, uh, I see, conceptual I see. sort of a hook to it. So sure. that I'm like, oh, it's people who are getting eaten. Like, that's fun. Like, cannibal <laughs> pies. like so that'll you, sort of hold my attention throughout it. So what I'm saying is you need like a lot of violence, basically. <laughs> violence yeah, or like some weird twist. elements to it, though, I think that. Yeah. maybe imply that these scenes that are happening aren't necessarily literal interactions, but more just yeah. amalgamations and representations of these people's relationship. I mean, I'm thinking of yeah. the karate scene specifically. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Sure. This, yeah. I mean, th- maybe they're literally doing karate, but that very much feels to me like a sort of dreamlike representation of this couple that is constantly right. trying to one up each other. Right. Yeah. 100%. Even, even like all of Amy's like wedding day too. Feels yeah. Like a condensation of every like cold feet bride. There's like one line that goes so fast that like it, it, you almost miss it. But she's like, listen, everybody, I'm afraid I'm coming down with hepatitis. So like <laughs> like just to get people to like leave her alone. And it's like all these insanely ridiculous things being crammed into this one song. And surely Amy does not have all of these exact single fears going on. But like, yeah, like it just feels like the Amy. No, scene it's like you said, it's it's very composite. like much from his perspective. It's like, yeah, it's, it's all through his lens. Essentially, yeah. is mm-hmm. like how he sees all these people and what they're dealing with. Right. But right. You're exactly. saying that's specific to that one or that's just into the in, text in, in, gen- in, in general, like like, OK, that's just yeah. How I'll, I agree with Sarah, like all these scenes feel like more like composites than like mm-hmm. literal. And obviously different productions will play with that or they'll make them more grounded and more literal. But I think there's something inherently fantastical about these vignettes. Yeah, like I I'd recommend watching it's on YouTube, but uh, Sam Mendes, who we mentioned in the first um, mm-hmm. half, uh, his production of Company is like the super almost like Tim Burton black and white stylized nightmare oh, kind cool. of version of it. And it's one of those things where it's like there aren't really a lot of great singers in it. It's mostly just people who act and can kind of carry a tune doing it. And it definitely mm-hmm. like changes the the pitch of that show entirely from like comedy to just like, this is someone's kind of like nightmare fever dream about a wedding. Like that's how that show, that version of it in particular feels to me. Um, okay. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, a take. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love that version. It's great. And a lot of people don't like it because of the singing, but I just think they're normies and that's um, a them problem. Okay. <laughs> they just don't like challenging art. Uh, or, but uh, yeah, like I, I, I saw this 2006 production live and, at the time, Company had been, like, it wasn't my favorite show, but, like, I saw this, and for some reason, like, the idea of just wanting to make music with somebody to have, like, like that 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 as a concept was such a huge hook for me. And I saw the Sweeney Todd version that had all the actors playing instruments, and it was very metal, but, like, the instruments didn't feel like a, an intention. I mean, obviously, they're an intentional choice. Yeah, it choice. wasn't a story point, essentially, Right, is what you're exactly. Yeah. For the most part, like, it was just kind of, like, a really cool aesthetic thing that didn't really inform how I viewed the story so much as like this Mm. version of company did. Um, And about this idea of just like wanting someone to fall into like, I guess harmony is a weird word because being alive is ultimately like this realization that marriage is messy or, or love is, even if it's not marriage that like relationships are hard and you're going to piss people off and you don't get it easy. But like to have someone that crowds you with love is ultimately like a net benefit, you know, like, like to me, this version just like sold me on the show entirely and got me super obsessed with it. So that was the hook that got me. I feel like this is a show that you can't interpret without it saying something about yourself as well. Mm. Like Mm. it is very much a show that 
reacts to you as much as you react to it. And I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just think it's something very cool because that isn't necessarily the case for even a lot of Sondheim shows. Yeah. They're a lot more straightforward. Something like, you know, even Sweeney Todd or Into the Woods or even Assassins. There, there, there are things that you can take that right. will say something about yourself and how you react to these shows. But yeah. So if you, if you hate company, you, you hate it because it's like it depends on why you hate yeah. it. Right? Yeah. Whether you like yeah. it or you don't like it. You can't react to it without it saying something about you or something about how you read this. I, I, I just yeah. think that's cool. Not that yeah. it's it's bad to dislike it or, you know, good to sure, like no, it, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's always going to be a very personal process of interpretation. And I, I just yeah. think it's really cool. I don't know. I, I was texting Angie about this on Friday when I was watching it, where I was like, if I had watched this like six months ago, I would have had a very different reaction mm-hmm. to it. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, but of, but of course, I'm I'm now uh, engaged. So that, that yeah. was as, as a person who's in his now late 30s, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately. You know, I'm sort of the prime, you know, as an antagonist goes, with the exception of, you know, dating around, which is not something I've been doing. Sure. But. I'm I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm in that era. I'm in yeah. that I, I'm in that stage. I'm in that like sort of deliberating process. So, yeah. But I mean, now I look at it and I'm like, oh, I've already gone through all this. What's he so worried about? But yeah. six months ago, I would have been like, bro. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I as someone who loved it as 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 like an 18, 19 year old who had no idea mm-hmm. what being in a relationship was like. That's funny all, to me, too, you know? that you were like that I mean, obsessed with it at that young. Mm-hmm. I just like the idea of feeling lonely and not knowing where your place was in this world where people want to put you into a role so easily. Like, I think that was what mm-hmm. I liked. And now as someone who is turning 35 this year and has kids and is married and smokes weed after they go to bed. Um, like, mm. I'm a square. Th- this show hits. No, I'm like, like every time that line happens, like we're just trying to keep up with the kids again. I'm like, shut up, leave me alone. I'm yeah. so cool. Uh, no, like, like they're just things that hit entirely differently now. Like parts of being alive, like, even I, I love my husband and we've been I've known him for 12 years, 13 years at this point. But like there's still things that you are constantly discovering or realizing mm-hmm. about them or through them realizing about yourself. And like, yeah, yeah every time I return to the show, I'm just like, oh, man, yeah. I need to go have a cigarette or something because like I'm, I'm oh, feeling I see that. Yeah, yeah. I could <laughs> yeah. see this one. You revisit. It also yeah. makes sense that it resonated with you as like an 18, 19 year old, because it is also a very transitional point in your life where mm. a lot is expected of you. And it's a d- very different way that it's sure. going to be for someone like Bobby. But, you know, you're yeah. you know leaving high school for the first time. People right. are starting mm. to uh, go on very particular paths that are maybe expected of you. And there, yeah. there is very much that sense of, oh, what am I now? Right. And even all your friends are starting to like have serious relationships. Yeah. And they're like, this is, I'm in a serious relationship. And you're just like, well, okay. Or some of them are getting married. <laughs> right. Or some of them are getting married for the first time. Um, Had a couple is, of those. Yeah. Yeah. Like those, your friends who get married like right after high school or college. And then yep, even seeing college, yeah. like their trajectories, some of them stay together, some of them don't. Like, and it, just getting older. Some of them get married again. Some of them and get married again. again and again. <laughs> and uh, like, just, it's a show that definitely grows with you. And not saying that shows, a lot of shows don't, especially a lot of Sondheim shows grow with me, but this one in particular, it just, it really is like a, yeah. well, let's check I mean, check it's a very in. universal idea too. Yeah. yeah. It's about being yeah. like with a partner and being married. So yeah. It's, totally. yeah. So on the whole, yes, no. Where would you put this between Sweeney Todd and uh, Into the Woods? I'm just curious. Into the Woods? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll get back to you in like 10 years, right? We'll revisit it again. <laughs> sure. I, I still like Sweeney Todd the most, like mm-hmm. I said, because it's just insane. Mm-hmm. Um Musically, I'm. I think I just as a whole, like, not really. We've got, what, what yeah. was the term you said? There's a there's a term for like when everyone sings over each other. Oh, uh, um, I forget what it's called. Oh, <laughs> the note song is I the keep note song. To yeah, it. yeah. Oh, the note. Yeah, yeah, we'll just call it the note song. The song where the people... notes. I not a fan of the note song sure, kind of sure. stuff. Yeah. But, you know, conceptually, it's I, I, that again, is a very Sondheim thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that obviously is one of his big through lines. Yeah, as people singing over each other. Yeah. Although I have to say, I did go watch the, um, what was the documentary, like the original cast recording yeah. doc. Yeah. That's uh, with like Elaine Stritch and all them. That sounded better to me because sure. it sounded like the orchestra was more like full. Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so that sort of helped soften this everyone singing over each other a sure. little bit more. Whereas this one, I think by nature, the fact that like everyone's playing the instruments on stage, it didn't seem as like big. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? So yeah. like I kind of it sounded nicer in that recording version and that like, you know, the original 70s one. Yeah. Like uh, it's just as far as the music's concerned. Yeah. There's some some songs that kind of suffer for the smaller orchestrations. There's some that sound better. Like I like this version of being live better than 
with a big orchestra where it starts sounding a little kind of sappy to me. Whereas like another hundred people with the full orchestra and you can hear like this, that Bobby baby motif being played by the horns in it. And it's so good. Yeah. And you don't, you don't get that in this. So yeah, yeah I, I understand but that I, 100%. Yeah. But overall I would say probably I might be like a little too close to this to really like sure. understand what's happening. It's sure. the truth. Yeah. That's why I'm like, ask me in six months. Ask okay. me uh, after I finally finish this wedding planning shit. Okay. Uh, and I'll see how I feel about it. But it, it might just be like, uh, flew a little too close to the sun. We'll right. See. 100%. I get that. <laughs> As you said, Sarah, it's a litmus test. Yeah. <laughs> like what's going yeah. on in your life. <laughs> right. Exactly. So my answer is no answer. <laughs> Understandably. And that's kind of how company ends too, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's there a are no company answers. response. Yeah. There's only the experience um, you are living and the... Meaning you try yeah, to divine yeah. from that. But yeah. yeah. And it's also because the, maybe I'm just being a little bit too pretentious here, but I feel like the ending of company is a lot about processes rather than end results. And sure, yeah. the, the undecidedness of it is that's a process, too. So, right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, let us know your thoughts about company. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Musical Splitting with no G at Musical Splitting with a G on Instagram. Uh, I am at Covetarian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram. Uh, Sarah, go ahead and let the world know what you do, where they can find you. You can find me on YouTube as Sarah Z or, you know, Z, depending on where you are. And you can find me on Twitter at Mary Sue Writer. And that's I can't recommend that her, her stuff enough. And uh, I Thank am Y Angelina Y on Twitter, as always. And Angelina underscore S.E.E. on Instagram. And once again, Sarah, we'd like to thank you for making yes. time for us. Oh, thank you so much. Discuss. This was really fun. You were such good company. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you really made us sorry, feel I'm like we were being alive. <laughs> uh, but yes, but yes, thank you so thank much. Thank you for making time. <laughs> oh, thank no, you for thank watching. You. Thank you for discussion. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you guys at the next one. Yeah. Really enjoyed being side by side. Side by side. Look, we're all seeing over each other just like a Sondheim song. Ha <laughs>